buying behavior has changed. Prospects don't click on links and emails anymore, and they don't watch the videos you spend hours creating every week. Instead, send personalized gifts and memes using Vidyu. You can quickly create engaging, personalized content that immediately grabs your prospect's attention, helps you stand out in the inbox, and does it all without forcing them to click anything or go anywhere. Head over to vidyou.io slash salescast to sign up for free and spend less time getting your messages across and more time selling. In the world of sales, you either sink, swim, or break through to the next level. My name's Colin Mitchell, and this is Sales Transformation, a new kind of sales show designed to bring you through the epic, life-changing moments of elite sellers so you can experience your own sales transformation. Hey, before we start today's episode, I wanted to bring you in on the best kept secret in B2B sales. If you're serious about social selling and your only strategy is cold DMs through LinkedIn, you're missing the mark big time. Learn how a fully managed revenue generating podcast can change your life and your pipeline at salescast.co. All right. Welcome to another episode of Sales Transformation. I'm very excited to have Nick McGowan on today. Uh, he's been in sales since he was a toddler, uh, and he's constantly evolving human on a path towards self-mastery during the best he can each day to manage his mindset, emotions, and help others do the same. Nick, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Colin. I'm excited to be here. I'm excited to have you and I'm super curious, you know, what were you selling as a toddler? (laughs) (laughs) Anything I get my hands on, Um, even things that I didn't have my hands on. I remember my mom Uh, telling me when I was a little kid, like you could sell ice to an Eskimo or you could sell ketchup popsicle to a lady in a white dress. And I always thought, that's weird. Why is that lady holding a ketchup popsicle? Who the fuck makes ketchup popsicles? Um, But, you know, whatever. I'd sell whatever I could get into. Yeah, yeah. It's funny. I just, I just had... Just interviewed um, a lady named Elise Archer on, and she also uh, s- started selling as a toddler. Uh, <laughs> she was um, stealing her siblings' McDonald's toys and then selling them to the neighbors. Smart way to go about <laughs> it. I mean, growing Very up, my dad. Yeah, my dad has a uh, a cleanouts company. He's had it forever, uh, like thirty some odd years. So he would have all this different sort of junk in a sense. And I would take some of that, sell that around to kids in the area and all that sort of stuff, or just like grab things off the back and be like, Hey, I saw that you got this bike. I could probably make a hundred bucks off that. He's like, where the fuck is that bike? I'm like, I don't know, pop. No, I have no idea, but I'm going to go to the baseball card shop. Yeah. I'll be back in a bit. And he's like, those are some pretty nice new sneakers, Nick. How'd you yeah. get those? It's <laughs> like, you know, a man's got to work for a living there, dad. Yeah. Um, Awesome. So t- just give us, give us a little bit of story about Nick, like give us your sales journey and then take us into like, you know, when did you, when did you get into this mindset self mastery world? Sure. So I guess the sales journey kind of started as you've already said as a toddler. Yeah. Uh, but really I think it started to pick up when I was in probably later in middle school, like seventh, eighth grade, something like that. 
Uh, I was a kind of a sports kid growing up and an art kid at the same time. Um, so I would make different paintings, drawings, try to sell some of it. I was more of a fan of my art than it seemed like anybody else was. Um, so by the time I got into high school, uh, I was a skater. So I was uh, an aggressive rollerblader and everybody was starting to gauge out their ears and all of that stuff. So I would buy used skates and sell them to people. And I then started to create those uh, different gauges. Like I'd go to Home Depot, buy wooden dowels sand them down, polish it, stain it, oh, wow. flip them all. I made I made some serious money off of it. It was beautiful. I've now, still got my uh, stretched out earlobes from the gauges. Yeah, same here. <laughs> my kids um, always ask me like, what is that? It's like, a pen holder. That's what it is. Yeah. Um, it's a reminder to think through things before you <laughs> take action. <laughs> Man, I still see people that have like big floppy earlobes. I'm like, oh, you did it wrong. We should have talked because then I started training people at the same time. Like, this is how you do it. You got to break the skin bit by bit, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but then I got into uh, phone sales. Like I remember being in, in school and my teachers would be like, you just never shut up. I'm like, well, yeah, that's kind of how this goes. Um, but I ended up getting into phone sales, like, I don't know, ninth or 10th grade, something like that, doing like surveys and research and all that. And I remember having some wild conversations with people. Um, but that led me into doing some other things. Like I ended up working with Comcast for a little bit to do uh, some sales. And I didn't really like all of that. Like I didn't want to just be locked into a cube, but I really loved having the conversations with people because you just meet interesting people. Mm -hmm. And then I learned that I could sell some stuff. Uh, right around, I'd guess the end of high school, uh, maybe 11th grade, something like that. Remember when a counselor sits you down to go, all right, well, we're going to get you in school. We're going to get you into college. Where do you want to go? Yeah. What do we need to do? Like, how do we shape your ass up to get you ready to go? And one of them told me, the counselor told me, look, we get you in art school or we can get you into music school, but you're not going to make any money. So, um, what do you want to do? And right there, I was like, well, I'm out. And I basically didn't want to do anything school-wise because I was like, if I'm not going to go to college and I'm not going to make any money going to school for what I've been doing, then I'll go do something different. Um, <laughs> ended up getting into the multi-level marketing business right out of high school. And I had no idea. Like, I had no idea what an MLM was or whatever. I just remember people being like, is that a big Ponzi scam? Is that a big pyramid <laughs> thing? I'm like, I don't if I know, but they're telling me I can make some money out of it. And I need to shape up and kind of like get out of um, being kind of a, a broke kid in some ways. <laughs> what, what were you selling? What were you selling? So it was... Uh, it was basically capitalizing on deregulation of like phone service and electricity and stuff like that. So I remember them telling me like, you want to get paid when somebody turns on a light? I was like, hell yeah. Like, why not? <laughs> uh, but that was really my first step into personal development. Because look, at that point, I was a 18 year old punk kid with blue hair and piercings and all this shit. And and they were like, we understand that you can sell things, but you are super rough around the edges. We need to fix all <laughs> that was, of this. That was being kind about it. <laughs> yeah, totally. I mean, they, they said other words and I went along with it. Um, but I was in that company for maybe, I don't know, a year, year and a half, two years, something like that. And that was just my first step into actually starting to look at psychology and business books and things of that sort. I was a punk growing up. So by the time I had to stand in front of people and try to talk about businessy things, I wasn't just selling shit that you stuff in your ears anymore or things that were skate worthy or, you know, art wise. 
this was completely different. So I remember seeing somebody at the front of the room when I first went to one of those meetings. I was like, I saw this guy drive in in a BMW that's like $90,000 BMW, and he's got a $10,000 suit on. I want to be his friend and find out the things from that guy. Now, there are certain people I met that, that were a little weird. I mean, no matter what sort of circles you get into, there's going to be a couple weirdos. But for the most part, there were a handful of men uh, and a couple women that really kind of put their arms around me and helped me grow. I guess they saw some potential within. So I went from multi-level marketing to the car business, which just sounds like a complete downhill turn <laughs> to go from MLMs into the car business. But I wasn't selling cars. I was on the phones. And I was teaching and training different phone reps how to basically get people into the dealership, how to buy cars, all that sort of stuff. Um, we basically were doing about, I don't know, a thousand cars a month over four dealerships with about seven of us, six or seven of us. And we had people coming in from all over the country basically asking us, how the hell are you guys doing this? Now, this was pre-2008 before everything yeah. in, in the country imploded. Um, so a buddy of mine and I, my buddy was my manager and a guy that I knew from high school, he was like, Hey, let's say, screw this company and start our own and go teach these people how to do it. So that was basically my first step into being an entrepreneur officially outside of just selling, you know, whatever I get my hands on in high school. Um, yeah. so we ended up touring around the country for about, I'd say two years, like I was literally out three and a half weeks out of the month. I'd basically come home, sleep for a couple of hours, take my dry cleaning, and then get back onto a plane and fly out. And that was a boot camp because I remember being a punk kid with shit in my ears, my lip mm -hmm. ring and all that, walking into a dealership, be like, I'm going to teach your people how to get people in here. And one guy had said to me at one point, he was like, that kid has no idea what he's doing or what he's talking about. Tell him to get that shit out of his lip before he does anything. And I remember being so frustrated because I was like, yeah. fuck you, man. You have no idea who I am or what we're doing. We flooded, yeah. their, we flooded their showroom with a couple hundred people because I taught their team how to do it. He sung a different tune at the end of it. But that was one of those things where I was like, I need to be mindful of not just being super authentic and having everything pour out. I need to be mindful yeah. there are other people that are here. So from that, I ended up um, when when the country imploded in 2008, we ended up trying to keep our uh, baby alive with the company that we had and just putting everything on credit cards and uh, a short version of this. The company went down. I ended up uh, on my mom's couch <laughs> out on her, uh, on her front porch lying there and being like, all right, I got nothing but a bunch of credit card debt. What do I do from here? And I started to really think mm -hmm. about where I wanted to go how I wanted to be. And I, I knew that I was in a bad spot mentally because I had a lot of success within that consulting company. And then it was all literally just ripped out from underneath me. So when it was ripped yeah. out, I had to do some work. I had to do some more personal work. So to make this all kind of shorter, um, I went from, from my mom's couch uh, through to a couple of different companies, I ended up working at a music store a couple of times, and then got into a business that I, I just told them, look, I just want to be on the phones. Just put me on the phones. Just let me be a phone monkey. Just let me sit there and talk to people. <laughs> and they were like, all right, cool. Welcome in. We were working with real estate agents and financial advisors selling marketing pieces. A couple of weeks in, they were like, well, look, uh, you know, here's the training. Here's what you need to do. And I was a training director for my consultant company. I was like, well, this isn't really great. Let me help you with it. So I was no longer just a phone monkey. I was more of a trainer and stepping back into that. 
Um, and then a couple years being with that company, uh, one of my old trainers who was at the company with me before said that he and his wife were thinking about starting a digital marketing company and they wanted to work with small businesses. Social media was picking up at that point. It was 2011, 2012-ish. So everybody's trying to figure out how do we get on a Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, et cetera. Yeah. I brought that to the company I was with and they basically just laughed at me and said, no, nah, no, we're not going to do anything about that. I was like, all right, cool. Well, I am. So I started to do the thing, figure it out. Um, my buddy and his wife were, they're from Florida. I'm, I was from Philadelphia at the point. Uh, they were uh, really thinking about starting the company. And I said, all right, well, I'm going to come down to Florida. I need to visit some family anyway. Why don't you guys come over and we'll have dinner and talk about this idea. So they came over, but they also brought their daughter. I'm skipping through a lot of this stuff, but yeah. within the next year, I was married to their daughter and full-time with the company. And at one point, daughter, when we just got married, I took her from Florida all the way up to Philly, no family, no friends, no job at that point because she left everything behind. I got mm -hmm. fired from the job I was at and we were mm -hmm. doing our business part-time trying to figure it out, you know? So I got fired three months into the, into the marriage. How do you tell your wife? Like, Hey, uh, I don't have a job anymore. What do you want to do for dinner? Where do you want to go? What are you, are you hungry? Yeah. Like, fuck. She was like, what, what happened? So, uh, mm. I tried to go for a couple of different jobs and really didn't want to because I wanted to get in and do my own thing again. And she looked at me and she was like, you haven't made a sale in a year. So what the fuck makes this any different? It's like, all right, touche. So I went a little crazy. Um, within two years, we were living in Portland, Oregon, downtown, nine stories up in a beautiful condo because I sold some things and we were building a business. But that in Portland was the moment right where I started to really, really break down mentally because I'd constructed a business that was a giant cage, 40 foot walls that I couldn't get out of. I couldn't see through. We were growing at such a clip that we didn't have enough people to be able to help with production. We were expanding, we were hemorrhaging. We were, I felt like we were constantly dying. And at one point I just felt like the easiest way to get out of it was for myself to die. I'd thought about suicide wow. a couple times growing up. I had different experiences. I didn't grow up in the easiest of lives. Um, my mom and dad were never together, completely separate. Mom didn't make tons of money like at all. My dad and his wife made loads of money. So I kind of saw the good dad, poor dad sort of situation growing up. Um, but I, I knew when I'd constructed those walls and couldn't get out of it and started to think through suicide, it, at one point it hit me. I was like, all right, well, I'm just going to go up to the top of the building and I'll just jump off. That'll solve all the problems. Whatever happens with the rest of it is totally fine. And at one day, I was kind of in that euphoric mode because I was in planning mode in the back of my mind, thinking this is how it's going to get, go down. This is what's going to happen. And then I thought, well, you're either going to jump or you're not. And it really sunk in where I was like, how the fuck is this actually a question? Are you going mm -hmm. to jump or are you not? And I thought, I, I can't do this. I got I to gotta get out of this thing. And the thing was basically my marriage and the business that I had, because there was a lot of trauma from when I was a little kid and growing up that I hadn't processed through. I just kept stuffing things on top of it. So back to figuring out that I could sell things, that was easy for me. So yeah. it was an easy way to just say, I don't need to deal with this other stuff. I'll go do this thing. It's kind of fun. I mean, shit, even in high school, when I figured out I could sell, it also taught me that I had game. <laughs> 
which was not a good thing for Nick to know in high school. Um, Cause I just sold that sort of, uh, you know, and kind of worked through that over the course you gotta of the years. You got to have a lot of game with blue hair. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> yes, but you also get to, you'll have a subset of women that are typically goth or punkish in the same time as well. You'll see now no longer blue hair, but then again, yeah. no wedding ring anymore. Um, so in Portland, this was maybe 2015, 2016, something like that. I really started to figure out that if I don't get out of this or figure out how to not be in this much pain, that I'm just going to die no matter what happens. Tried to make a couple changes. We moved from Portland to Florida. Uh, and within a couple of months of being in Florida, I literally just had to leave the company, which was difficult. Because think about it. Uh, if you have yeah. a company with your wife's parents and you go, hey, um, I'm not going to be here anymore. Your daughter and I are going to go elsewhere. Don't hate us. Going mm -hmm. into that conversation was pretty tough. Having the conversation wasn't actually as tough as I thought it was going to be, which is kind of a metaphor for most things where you think this is going to be terrible. You get into it and it's really not that bad. But I took a three month sabbatical after that. Literally the first month I just screwed off, played guitar, sat outside. I mean, I live in Florida. So I went to the pool, went to the beach and just kind of hung out, got my mind together and then started to work through what was actually happening because I didn't process not only getting fired, and starting a company and then having to leave the company. But I didn't process when I had my other failed companies. I didn't process any of that. I didn't process the stuff from when I was a kid or any of that as much as I needed to. So that was my time to be able to actually sit down and kind of work through it. I had nothing else that I could do because if I didn't fix my mental, then everything else would still just be constantly broken. So that got me a little further into, um, more mindset, self-mastery. I mean, at the core of self-mastery, it's self-discipline. Mm -hmm. So I knew that I just needed to be more disciplined in certain areas, but be more aligned in most areas because I was doing things that uh, I was good at, but didn't really want to do. I'd even question sales. I was like, do I want to do this anymore? Because I was doing certain things that I just didn't want to do anymore at all. And some of that was because of the trauma that was underneath of it. So uh, after a couple of months of kind of figuring out what I wanted to do, I knew I didn't want to get back into entrepreneurship yet. I just flat out knew. I was like, I'm done. I'm jaded. I ended up finding a company that does 3D content and augmented and virtual reality for home builders and super products companies. So I remember having a couple of interviews with them, even an interview specifically with their CEO, CRO, and one of their EVPs. And they were like, we've seen that you've had a couple of companies now. Are you just going to up and leave us at some point? I was like, look, at this point, I'm not even thinking about that. I want you guys to pay the bills. I want you guys to take care of the overhead because I was about ready to kill myself. I didn't say that in the middle of the interview. That'd be a little crazy. <laughs> um, yeah. But I was like, no, uh, at this point, I need to kind of build this and just get out of where I was. So I work for a 3D content company now. I run sales for them for their consumer products division. And we do a lot of, I mean, think about where everything's at now digitally. We do a lot of renderings and interactive pieces and AR and VR. And I've always been a, a tech geek when it comes to that sort of stuff and to see where we can push things. But the challenge is there to be able to talk to people about how do I sell this? What the fuck am I selling? What do they need to buy? What are their problems? So it was a whole different world. Um, but as I kind of walked through that, worked through this new adventure, I was also working on myself, working on the mindset stuff, 
and working on my discipline, which has led me to become a mindset self-mastery coach and has also led me to start the podcast, which led me to you and having the <laughs> conversations, you know, that we had a couple months ago. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, man, there's a lot to unpack there. So I'm just, I'm just trying to think through like, what are some, some learning lessons from your story, right? From your experience, right? Of mm -hmm. finding out that you're good at sales. Um, and then, you know, having some success in sales and having some hurdles, obviously, um, but realizing that even having some success and selling a lot of stuff that you still weren't happy, right? That there was some, you know, discomfort, some, some things that you needed to work through. And I think a lot of people that get into sales, you know, have some sort of, I guess, story or, you know, thing that maybe, uh, we're, we're a lot of salespeople, you know, we're, we're a bunch of misfits, <laughs> a yeah, lot of us, good call. not yeah. all, not all, yeah. but a lot of, I mean, you know, I've got, um, my own story of my past and troubled, you know, childhood and, and things yeah. like that. And, you know, sales is pretty open arms to just about anybody. <laughs> and so there's a lot of people that get in there, they have that drive, they have that grit, they have that resilience just based on the stuff that they've had to deal with in yeah. life where they can be really successful in sales. But then at some point, because they think that success is going to give them the happiness and then when they don't, it's such a disappointment. And then they're like, now what? Because they were looking for a Band-Aid and they, they had expectations. So any of the expectations that we have of this thing is going to fix all of my problems is bullshit. And some people unfortunately can't learn that without learning it the hard way. Like mm -hmm. I wish, I, I wish somebody would have given me uh, you know, a matrix blue or red pill years ago and been like, hey, this will fix all of your problems. But at the same time, I totally understand that that's not real. And I had to go through all the things that I had to go through. A couple of the key moments that I think about when I remember when I found out that the partner that I was partnered with in my consultant company literally lost all of our clients. We had three left, I think, out of like 30 or 35. And we were a small group. And at that point, we had no idea how to handle that. And then the whole economy crashed. And as a 23 or 24-year-old kid lying on my mom's couch thinking, what the, what is happening? What am I doing now? And having all this debt that was just extra crushing me, it was one of those things that I remember thinking, wow, I was, I was driven by my ego because we were successful. We were making money. We were doing great things. And then one day it was just all gone. And I didn't think it was going to be possible because again, I grew up in a situation where I didn't really have much of that success. So by the time when I had it, I thought, Hey, I've arrived, I'm here. And I'm one of the ones who did it at 20 something. And then lying on my mom's couch thinking, well, I guess that wasn't it. And then being able to kind of move into the next pieces of it. I think there are certain things that you have to go through and you have to get punched in the face to be able to feel what that pain feels like and know that you never want to go back there to then be able to figure out ways to not ever have to feel that pain again. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that you're absolutely right. You know, I, I think a lot of people in sales tend to be fairly stubborn, myself included, mm -hmm. um, where even if there was like, Hey, this isn't going to work. You're like, yeah, I'll make it work. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yep. And then you got to experience it to be like, yeah. Uh, he was right. Like, this is, this is not going to work, you know? Uh, yeah. So, I mean, 
I, I think that, so talk to me a little bit about the, the work that you did to sort of, you know, get through and to the other side of, you know, a lot of this trauma that, that you experienced, you know, personally and professionally. Yeah. For the most part, it was a matter of just being quiet and still and being aware of what was actually going on because I was filling my time with different things. I was doing all this different stuff with my family, with the business, with all these things that when that was all gone and none of it was around anymore. I mean, my wife at the time was around, but she was working. So I was at home just like, all right, what do I have? And I started to go through a process of figuring out what are the things that I'm aware of and how do I actually tap into that awareness? And that's a whole different story, but being being aware of what those problems were, what the traumas were, stepping back into the childhood and sitting <laughs> sitting with little Nick and being like, well, this is a pretty fucked up situation, but you're going to be okay was a piece of that. So going through that awareness and then kind of taking an inventory <laughs> of everything that was happening, everything that had happened even within that decade to go from out of high school all the way through the marriage and, and the business, et cetera, to then take inventory of those things and really start to unpack them piece by piece by piece. And go, well, what happened with this? Where did I fall off? Why did I stop doing that? And being able to take those things at a very macro level to understand what is it that I want and what do I not want? And then being able to kind of take those forward. Right around that time, I started to get into meditation as well. Because I remember a couple of friends telling me like, you always have so many things going through your head. You just need to calm that down to be able to actually clearly hear and feel what you need to be doing. And I was like, yeah, I get that. But what should I do? They're like, meditate. I'm like, so you're telling me to just sit there and not do anything. I'm telling you that my brain is always going. They're like, yeah, yeah, so meditate. Now I understand. But at first I was like, how does that make any sense? So I started mm -hmm. to dive into that. And man, that was just awkward for a couple of weeks. Cause I mean, I was actively doing it. Like that was my job to work on me for a couple of months. And the first handful of weeks were so weird. I mean, there's still times where I'll meditate. Shit, even this morning I was meditating and just batting away the thoughts, you know, to allow yourself to be at peace. So stepping into that and that awareness and then taking the inventory and going through those piece by piece by piece to figure out what I want to keep and what I want to get rid of, I then was able to kind of forecast or jump into the future and say, well, where do I want to go? And what do I want this stuff to look like? And what pieces do I need to take from this list into that? After a couple of weeks of that and even a couple of months, like after I got the new job and months and months later still doing all of this, I was able to also tie in some of the things that I was seeing from my future self that I wanted to be able to pull back and almost reverse engineer from the future version of me to go off. I'm getting there. How do I build that and allow for kind of the miracle of life to show these bigger opportunities? Um, so I started off with that awareness went through a bit of a discovery phase on my own to figure out what my inventory was. And then from there, I was able to figure out what was trash, what I needed to deal with trauma-wise or what was still going on and what are the things that were at my core that I wanted to take along with me. And that was one of those moments where I was like, maybe I don't want to do sales anymore. But it wasn't that I didn't want to do sales anymore. It was that there were a certain amount of things that were on this list that I didn't want to do anymore because those had little subsets of issues as well that stemmed back to trauma. Then I realized a lot of it came from childhood trauma mm -hmm. and just being in situations where 
like there would be something that would pop up and I'd be like, I don't want to do it. And like this little kid in the back of my mind, I'm like, the fuck did that come from? So being able to actually work through some of that and figure out what do I say I don't want to do because it doesn't align with me at all. And what do I say I don't want to do because I don't want to do it. Like I just, it doesn't feel right to me or it's something I don't want to do. And that's the difference between knowing like you shouldn't go this path, you're going to be killed or, you know, this is just uncomfortable and you don't want to do it. Like for the most part, the things that are uncomfortable, you don't want to do it. I think you need to lean into those more because yeah. those are where things can come up. If it's like, hey, you're going to die, you should listen <laughs> and not go that path that you're going to die. Yeah. Or even, you know, not wanting to lean into it based on some belief that you have subconsciously yep. uh, because of your circumstances or situation that were, you know, out of your control and have nothing to do with your actual experience. Yeah. And there were things that came up um, that I was sort of fed in different ways and that I accepted. And one of the things I realized, I realized last year. So I went through a divorce uh, this last July. And leading up to that, I'd realized that I had abandoned myself in many, many different ways. And I was using some of the things that I was good at, like sales. Uh, it's the easiest one to put, it, but that I was good at to just not have to work on those problems. But when when COVID kind of kicked all of our asses into the house and said, you're going to stay here for six months to a year, I was back in that spot where I needed to work through some more of that and work through some of that with my now ex-wife. Uh, and that was incredibly therapeutic. I mean, it was super painful at times because we're headed toward a divorce. But by the time we got there, it made sense. And it was something that I felt um, needed to be done because I had abandoned myself for many, many years because I was afraid. And most things, and even in sales, most things will get back to fear. You're just afraid to do something, yeah. you know? And I was afraid to deal with it and afraid to be the authentic version of me. And even now I'm still kind of working through that and figuring out what that looks like. So to jump into sales, I think uh, with authenticity, that's how we can win in sales. You know, I still talk to different reps different times, not in my company, but reps that'll call me that that's not them. They're like, hey, this is Jim from blah, blah, blah. I'm like, Jim, I can yeah. always guarantee it's not your real fucking voice. Like, calm down. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you yeah. know, you can tell they're scripted, and, and not real. I think it's real. because a lot of people are sort of, you know, given, hey, here's the script. Here's the playbook. Here's how you're supposed to do things. Yep. Yep, see these people over here. They're successful. Just do what they do. Right. And it doesn't feel right. And it might take you, you might taste a little level of success with mm -hmm. that, but if it's not authentically how you would show up as you, it's hard work, it's yeah. exhausting, and it's only going to take you so far. Um, and I think that a lot of people in sales are, are just really trying to uh, mirror what's working for somebody else. Yeah. And, and you got to find what works for you. But that's a weird thing when There's you're going through it, you know? There's definitely some process... Yeah. And there's some structure and there's some foundations of like running a good sales playbook. Right. But, but, um, you know, Nick's playbook's not going to work for me. Right. And Correct. vice versa. So, you know, my cold call opener, the way I do emails or whatever the case is, uh, is what works for me, what I feel comfortable, how I would authentically show up. And that's how I can show up in a confident way and deliver it. Mm -hmm. Um, telling somebody else that this is how you have to do it. This is how it works and it is not authentic for them, it's not going to work. I don't think it really works in in anything, but you need to know the, the rules of the game to be able to play it. So I think a lot of younger salespeople, 
people that are new to the game just need to learn what those rules are and what their barriers are. Because if you don't know that, if you don't know what your own playbook is, then you can't get into a situation and just play jazz because you have no idea what's going on. And I think that's where some people will look like you're saying, they'll look at somebody else and go, okay, I just need to do that. Or I need to sound like that because they're really just trying to figure out what's the thing that works for me. And with somebody brand new in sales, you can't be like, hey, be yourself. Because at that point, they don't really know how to play. They don't know how to play the game or what the rules are or how to best be themselves. Because for the most part, like you still have to be businessy. You know, you can't be 100% yourself, uh, but there has to be an agenda and a reason that you're there to talk. Yeah. Uh, but it's really in how you kind of move about the, the conversation. Now, I think sales has helped me immensely to be able to do the podcast having conversation, asking questions, being on your toes the entire time They go, all right, well, they said this. Well, fuck, where do we go from here? What do we do with this? What do I say to that? And then being able to build the conversation because I've had that, uh, that experience of being in some of those awkward spots. And I think you need that as sales. You know, you need to, <laughs> you need to have those people yell at you every once in a while to feel like, hey, well, um, all right, uh, maybe I have some stuff to work on. Yeah, I mean, man, it's it's a lot, I think, for a lot of people to realize that yeah. like, oh, you mean if I get the uh, outside success, like that's not going to change how I'm feeling. <laughs> right? Not at all. And uh, that's a hard pill to swallow for, for a lot of people. Yeah. Um, so, man, Nick, thanks so much for sharing, you know, parts of your story and, and showing up authentically and, and uh, sh- you know, sharing parts that... Uh, you know, might, uh, still be a little uncomfortable to talk about, I'd imagine. And showing up authentically really appreciate that, you know, just being an example that like, Hey, it's okay to talk about these things. And there might be somebody else listening that's, you know, dealing with some similar stuff and be like, Hey, there's a light at the end of the tunnel. Right. And there's a, there's, you know, somebody who's gotten through those things and, um, you know, made it through, uh, is, is great for them to hear right? Somebody yeah. probably needed to hear this, right? So I appreciate you for that. Uh, any final thoughts and, and where's the best place for, for people to get connected and plugged in with you? Yeah. One of the, one of the main final thoughts would be just keep going and keep moving on what you're doing. Uh, there are often times where I look back and think, man, what I have now, I prayed for, wished for, and wanted so badly for many, many, many years. And there's still tough days and some days where I just don't want to you know, don't want to do something or don't want to be part of it uh, and getting my mind right through that. So I'd say keep moving and get your mind right. Um, Don't look for the outward success. Look inward first, figure out you. And then I think everything else will start to open up and and show that for you. I'm proof with that. The opportunities open up, the doors open up, but you've got to be all right inside to be able to look for those things. Um, On that note, I'd say check out the podcast. So I've got the Mindset and Self Mastery Show. You go to the mindset and selfmastery show.com, check out the podcast on basically everywhere you listen to podcasts. Uh, and we get into stories that shape people's lives and how they manage their mindset and what they've experienced on their path towards self mastery. For, like you said, Colin, that one person or that handful of people that are listening to it that go, that's exactly what I needed. The rest of the audience love them all, but it's always about that one person that goes, that was what I needed. Yeah. Yeah. 
Nick, thank you so much. We'll drop the link to the podcast for folks that, that want to check it out here in the show notes. If you enjoyed today's episode, please write us a review, share the show with your friends. It really helps us out. And I'm always listening for your feedback. You can give us feedback over at salestransformation.fm. Drop me a voice DM and I will get back to you. Hey, you stuck around. That tells me you're serious about your own sales transformation. If you're tired of doing things the old way and want to get started in your journey with other people on the same path, head over to salescast.community and crush your numbers on your leaderboard. Yeah, it's free. Salescast.community. Send me a DM with your best pitch and mention this ad, and I might even give you free access to our best templates.